This morning reading is from 1 Samuel chapter 10. Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here for a while, so that I may give you a message from God. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb, Zedza on the board of Benjamin. They will say to you, The donkeys you set out to look for to have been found. And now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, what shall I do about my son? Then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to give love of God, where there is Philistine outposts. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with flowers, tambourines, pipes, and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hands find to do, for God is with you. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. But you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. When he and his servant arrived at Gilbert, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? A man lived there answered, And who is their father? So it became a saying, is Saul also among the prophets? Also Saul stopped prophesying. He will be the high place. Now Saul's uncle asked him and his servant, Where have you been? Looking for the donkeys, he said. But when we saw they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. Saul's uncle said, Tell me what Samuel said to you. Saul replied, he assured us that the donkeys had been found, but he did not tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingship. Samuel announced the people of Israel to the Lord of Mizpah. This is the word of the Lord. 
let's pray before we think about those verses of one sentence again. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word is a lamp in a dark world, that by it you reveal yourself to us, that you show us how we can be saved by the Lord Jesus. And so we pray that your Holy Spirit would carry your word to our hearts now with power, with deep conviction, that we might come to trust him more fully. Amen. Uh, Another young woman, not so far from here, who has uh, enemies. Uh, She's had threats issued against her. She doesn't feel safe when she goes out. She doesn't feel protected when she's at home. And it's not a problem that she can fix on her own. I was telling the man uh, this week, he's a Christian guy. Uh, he made a, a stand because of what he thought the Bible said. And he knew he'd take some flack for that. Uh, but he had thought that maybe some prominent Christian men uh, around him where he worked might uh, stand with him. Instead, they acted very quickly to distance themselves from him. Uh, They cozied up to the people with power, if you like. And he was left, basically hung out to dry his own. It was unjust, it was unfair. And it wasn't a problem that he could fix on his own. Uh, All of us in this room, whether we call ourselves Christians or not, we've lived long enough to know that the world is not the way it's supposed to be. And we can't fix all of our own problems. That's not being defeatist. God has made us in his own image with tremendous dignity to rule over the world that he's made. Of course, there are all manner of things that we can do that make a difference, that bring blessing. But the lesson of human history and the lesson of our own personal histories is surely, whether it's in close relationships or wider social justice, whether it's Uh, bad bosses or broken bodies, we can't fix all of our own problems. And sometimes, more often perhaps than we care to admit, we are part of that problem. Uh, So when we've done uh, trying to fix it ourselves, uh, or when we encounter a problem which self-evidently we cannot fix, what do we look to? Uh, To find hope. Uh, We've got to look to something outside of ourselves, uh, with a power that we lack, with perhaps a wisdom and an insight that we don't have, uh, to be able to fix these problems. Where do we look? Come with me to 1 Samuel. We meet the people of God, and there are people with problems. Uh, They have uh, enemies. We discovered that a couple of weeks ago. The Philistines are on their borders, they're well armed, and they're dangerous. And then uh, within, well, they've got problems with injustice. Uh, Samuel's sons are judges, they're taking bribes, they're uh, twisting justice. For the people of God at that time, the world is not a safe place to be. Uh, Everyone is running around doing as they see fit, and they've discovered that they can't fix their own problems. And now, unfortunately, as we saw last week, uh, they've led to a solution that actually is not a good one. Uh, They've looked for hope in the wrong place. So uh, they went to God and they said, actually, we'd like to replace you, God, with a king. Can you give us a king like the nations of God? A king who will uh, bring safety and justice, we hope. 
But rejecting God never ends well. Uh, Wonderfully, though, God is patient with his people uh, and he has a good plan for them. Uh, So in chapter 9, he speaks of the plan that he's got. He says to Samuel, look, I will send you a man. Anoint him as the leader over my people and he will deliver them. So this morning we're going to see that man. We're going to see what it looks like uh, to be the king that God would have us uh, enjoy. The king with the power and the wisdom and the insight to fix the problems that we can't fix for ourselves. Uh, So come with me. Uh, End of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 9. The question we're basically asking is, is this uh, the king that God's people need? Uh, Let's have a look at this guy. Um, Three things for us to see this morning. First is this. Uh, We see a king who's appointed by God and confirmed by science. king who's appointed by God and confirmed uh, by science. Just glance uh, down with me uh, at verse 1 of chapter 10. We've got this young guy, Saul, uh, who if we'd read the whole of the previous chapter, we know he's been wandering around uh, trying to find some donkeys. And he's bumped into uh, Samuel, who at that time is the big judge, the big leader of uh, God's people in Israel. Uh, What does Samuel say to him? Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? That's got to be pretty unbelievable for a young man who set out a couple of days earlier just looking for a few donkeys. Now he discovers, oh, blimey, I'm the one who God has chosen. I'm going to be anointed. I'm going to be the ruler over God's people. It's got to come as something. There's a a shock to him. Somewhat unbelievable, and yet it's going to be confirmed by signs. God's word about him is going to be fulfilled. So Samuel goes on to say, verse 2, there's going to be two men. Uh, They'll explain to you what happened to the donkeys. And then uh, there'll be three men who are going to provide some food for you. Uh, And then a little bit later, you'll meet a, a, a band of folks. There'll be prophets, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit from them. And in verse 9, we're told all those things happened. That fulfilled just as Samuel said. If you put yourself in Saul's shoes for a moment, that's got to be pretty encouraging. But actually, this word that Samuel has spoken about you being the anointed king, it's true. God remains sovereign, totally in control of the events that are taking place in Israel. His word remains totally reliable. It's a good lesson for a newly anointed king to learn. It's a good lesson for God's people anywhere at any time to learn. See, this king is not a replacement for the Lord. God and his word remain firmly in charge, firmly in control through all of this. Uh, but we get this king who's appointed by God and confirmed with signs. And really that's the kind of king that you want. Uh, not someone who's basically just like us but a bit bigger. And that's what we've learned about Saul so far. He's a head, head and shoulders taller than everyone else. He looks impressive. He looks big. Shoulders, if he's just like us but a bit bigger, well, the likelihood is he's still not going to be able to fix his own problems. He's probably just going to be a bigger part of bigger problems. See, we need a king who's not just like us but bigger. We need a king who's going to be uh, empowered by God and steered by God who's confirmed by signs so that we know we've got the right one. And that's what we've got here. That's what Israel is getting. It's it's looking good so far for them. Uh, If you're looking around for someone to protect you in a broken world, someone who's going to deliver you from enemies and problems, 
Surely this is the beginnings of the kind of king that you need. One who's appointed by God and who you can be confident of that because it's confirmed to you by science. Remind you of anybody? What else do we learn about this king? He's a king who will be empowered by God's spirit and should be directed by God's words. Powered by the spirit, directed by God's word. It's appropriate on Pentecost Sunday for us to be reminded this is the kind of king that God's people need. Uh, just glance down with me at uh, verse 6. Uh, Samuel says to the soul, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power. Now that's a phrase that has uh, come up a number of times before uh, in the Bible, in the book of Judges. It's, it's the recent history of God's people at that time. This is what happened to the judges. When, when God raised up somebody to lead and to deliver Israel, this is the kind of language that gets used. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon this person in power. So it's looking good. And we've got a king who's empowered by God for the task of delivering his people. Uh, we know, don't we? Big problems take uh, power to solve. Well, this guy's going to have that power. God empowers his king. Good news. But then what are we to make of uh, verse 7? See it there? Once you've received the Spirit, once these signs have been fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Now, we couldn't read that to mean, well, once you receive the Spirit's power, and once you know God is with you, well, just do whatever. That's what it says, isn't it? Do whatever your hand finds to do. Now, we could read that and then jump straight to ourselves and go, well, great. Every Christian, we've heard, haven't we, from, from Richard already this morning, every Christian who trusts the Lord Jesus and receives the Holy Spirit, great, are we free then? We can just do whatever we want to do. God's with us, off we go. It's worth maybe just slowing up a moment and thinking, what, is, what does this mean for Saul before we jump to ourselves? See, just like uh, the Spirit coming on him with power is the language of the book of Judges, which is what's just happened to Israel, uh, so to hear this phrase, do whatever your hand finds to do, is language that's been used before. Uh, back in uh, Judges chapter 9, uh, don't turn to it, you've got a, a judge is raised up, uh, he's going to deliver Israel. And he's brought by God's word to the place where uh, the enemies of God's people are, and he's told, do whatever your hand finds to do. Which means he fights and he triumphs because he's empowered uh, by God to deliver them. Now just glance back, uh, not at verse 7 now, but at verse 5. Saul has been brought, uh, or will be brought, by God's word through Samuel to Gibeah, a hill, where there is a Philistine outpost. That is where the enemies of God's people are. There he's going to receive God's empowering spirits as other deliverers of God's people have before. Now, what are his hands going to find to do when he gets there? Not in a sense, whatever. What his hands will find to do will be whatever he chooses to do with the enemies of God's people as he fights them and triumphs over them and delivers God's people. That's how the story is supposed to go. See, it's not enough for uh, Saul here just to be transformed, empowered by God's Spirit, and then to go off and do just uh, whatever. Uh, and that becomes even clearer in verse 8. 
Once you've triumphed and done what your hands find to do in the place where God has put you in front of God's people, well then he's to wait seven days, verse 8, until Samuel comes and tells him what he's to do. We know uh, from chapter 3 that the words of Samuel the prophet are the words of God. So this king is still to be directed by the word of God. He's anointed by the Holy Spirit. He's got uh, God with him, empowering him. But he's to be directed uh, by God's word. He's not to act independently on it. And that is no less true of the Christian life. The empowering presence of God's spirit in our lives should be directed by the word of God. Uh, You may know this, but in uh, both Hebrew and Greek, Hebrew, the, the vast majority language of the Old Testament and uh, Greek, the language of the, the New Testament, um, the word for spirit and the word for breath are the same. Uh, there's a sense in which God's breath, spirit, and God's word, they've got to come together. Uh, if I speak making words with no breath, and if I just blow, I, either way, I can't reveal anything, I can't communicate anything, I can't engage in personal relationship that way. Uh, God's uh, word and his breath, they come together everywhere in the Bible. Uh, It's just helpful to remember that. So you see it in uh, Acts chapter 2, that Richard uh, took us to. uh, The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. What do they do? Well, they they tell everybody about uh, Jesus in uh, all sorts of different languages. And then we get a picture of the first ever church. Uh, What is this church doing? It's not doing uh, whatever, in a sense. Uh, We're told they are devoted to the apostles' teaching. Uh, They're devoted to the words of uh, God's appointed messengers. They're devoted to the word of God. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into uh, somebody's life. Uh, He empowers the Christian life, uh, but he brings us to God's word. He uh, sheds light upon God's word in order that we might be directed by it. They work together, word and breath, word and and spirit. So, the picture we're building up uh, of uh, this king, the king who is... Uh, appointed by God, confirmed by signs. Tick. Saul's looking good so far. Uh, a king who will be empowered by God's spirit and should be directed by God's words. Hmm. Well, let's see. Because lastly, we discover this king fails to deliver at all to speak the word about the kingdom. As we read on, we discover Saul fails. Uh, All the signs are fulfilled about him uh, being the deliverer whom God has chosen. He receives the Holy Spirit on the hill as he he meets this gang of uh, prophets. He's there on the hill where the Philistine outpost is. And we're expecting battle, we're expecting triumph. Because that's what God's deliverers do. Verse 13 sets it up for us. After Saul stopped prophesying, he went to the high place and... We don't hear any more, do we? Nothing more about it. Despite God's empowering uh, spirits, he fails to deliver. The Philistines, well, they carry on in their outpost, unchallenged. It's maybe an obvious point, but receiving the Holy Spirit doesn't guarantee obedience. It 
doesn't make you automatically effective in the Christian life. If you think it does, the risk is you'll have a very passive Christian life and you'll be disappointed. Because the way to grow as a Christian, the way to experience the the joy of the Christian life in Christian service is to respond to God's spirit-empowered words with spirit-empowered obedience. It's what happens when uh, the word empowers you and, uh, sorry, the spirit empowers you and the word uh, directs you. If you've just got one or the other, are you in trouble? But Saul, it seems, has only got one. And he fails. There's no indication that he uh, fights or delivers the people. No suggestion that he goes on down to Gilgal and waits for seven days for Samuel to tell him what to do. He's not being directed by God's word. And so, despite having God's empowering spirit, he fails. He's not the king God's people need. Now, it's easiest to see how Saul is deficient, how he's not the king the people need, by contrast. Uh, so we could fast forward to 1 Samuel 16. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we meet a young man called David. And David is anointed by Samuel. And the Spirit of the Lord comes upon David in power. Same words. And what is the next thing, uh, pretty much, that David does? Chapter 17, he goes off and he fights Goliath. He wins at the battle for God's people, the battle that they can't win for themselves. That's what we need our king to do. That's what Saul fails to do. Uh, fast forward with me uh, a thousand years. A man is baptised in the Jordan River. His name is Jesus. The heavens are open. The Holy Spirit descends on him and a voice says, you're my son. It's a kind of uh, divine coronation. He's anointed. He's the king. Fulfills all the signs. He's empowered by God's Spirit. And what is the next thing he does? Led by the Spirit, he goes out into the wilderness, symbolically the the place where the devil reigns, and he takes him on. And he triumphs. He wins the battle that God's people have always lost. And that's what we need our King to do for us. Uh, and how, if you remember uh, your New Testament, how, how does he win that battle? He's directed by the word of the Lord. He's obedience. You could read about it in Luke chapter 4. He goes three rounds with uh, the devil. And time and time again, Jesus comes back with, it is written, it is written, it is written. He wins the battle uh, by being obedient, by being directed by the word of God. The perfect, spirit-empowered king is entirely directed by God's word. Word and spirit together. Without it you fail, but with those together, he is the king whom we need. As we finish, just come back with me uh, to 1 Samuel 10, verses uh, 14 to 16. Saul, at this point, he has been changed. The spirit has impacted him. Even if his uh, response is uh, inadequate and ineffective... At least his uncle is wise enough to to see something has happened and to ask about it. And in particular, he recognises, verse 15, tell me what Samuel said to you. He he knows that in some way the key to this lies in uh, the words of the prophet, the man of God. Now, we know all that Samuel said to him. And crucially, we know about verse 1. Samuel said to Saul... 
Has not the Lord anointed you, Saul, ruler over his inheritance? Now, of everything else, so that, that, that stands out. That is news, isn't it? You'd have thought, if you were chatting with your uncle, the first member of your family that you've seen for a little while, certainly the first you've seen since this has happened, it would get a mention, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, by the way, uncle, I've just been anointed. You'll never guess I'm going to be the king of Israel. That would come up in conversation, you would imagine. But what does Saul talk about? He talks about the donkeys. Uh, the omission is it's really strongly underlined in the Hebrew. There's lots of word plays uh, looking back to verse 1. But basically Saul fails to speak. Lots about donkeys, but we're told, verse 16, he didn't tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingship. Literally the word about the kingdom. Saul doesn't just refuse to be directed by God's word. He now fails to speak about the kingdom. He's been empowered by God to deliver God's people. To protect them. To to bless them. And instead of holding that deliverance out to people, he's keeping it a secret. It's not the king that they need. Fast forward with me one last time. A thousand years Jesus Christ comes back from the wilderness. He's gone three rounds with the devil. What does the spirit-empowered, word-directed king do next? He's fought, he's triumphed, he comes back. Next thing he does, Luke chapter 4, Jesus returns to Galilee in the power of the spirits, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Why? Because he taught in their synagogues. That's what Luke tells us. And then uh, we're told what he used to stand up and say in the synagogues. It's uh, the verses from Luke uh, 4 that are just over the page there. Our grounds for forgiveness this morning. Jesus stands up and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. See, where Saul fails, Jesus does not. He's the king we need, the king who comes to bring freedom, to release the oppressed there, to bring the the fullness of God's favour, his blessing, the year of the Lord's favour. He's the king who doesn't duck the battles, who doesn't disguise his identity, he proclaims it, he spreads the news, he invites us in. So we can enjoy life and the protection of this true king. should finish. We, we live in a world that is not the way it's supposed to be and we can't fix all our own problems. They're either too big or they're too complicated or they're too hard or in all sorts of ways we're tangled up and we're part of it and we can't fix it ourselves. I wonder who you're looking to for hope this morning. Or whether you're still trying to dig deep into your own strength thinking I'm going to fix this whether you're looking to someone or something outside of yourself to bring the power and the wisdom and the insight to to be able to fix it for you. You see, 1 Samuel points us to Jesus as the king that we need. Jesus, you see, is not a replacement for God. He's God himself who has come to bring the protection and the blessing of God's rule to his people. He brings the power of God directed by the word of God to defeat the enemies that we can't defeat, to bring the protection, the justice that we cry out for in a broken world.
He's the one who can solve the problems that are too big and too messy and too complicated for us. We're going to see more of Saul next week and the week after. We'll see actually he's more like us than like the king that we need. But we'll be showing some more about the Lord Jesus. About the fact that actually he is the one whom we can come to for hope. Knowing he can ultimately fix every problem in this broken world. Uh, let me pray, and then we're going to sing. Heavenly Father, as we look at a world that is broken as we look at aspects of our own lives and situations and the problems we face, we recognise that our resources aren't enough. Our power, our wisdom, it's not enough. We can't fix it. And yet we rejoice that there is hope. Because we don't live in a universe that is blind and impersonal and material and indifferent. But we live in a creation at the heart of which lies a God of love and of power and of wisdom who doesn't leave us stuck in problems we can't fix by ourselves but who sends his son to be the king that we need with the power that we lack with the wisdom and the insight and the obedience to your word that can save us And so, Father, we pray that we would come to that king, that we would entrust ourselves to him, that we would enjoy the freedom, the protection, the blessing, the future, and the hope that only he can truly offer.